So Money Episode 1021, Carl Lowenthal, founder of The Clutch, an online feminist coaching community and host of the podcast, Unf Your Brain. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Torabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. Right now, it's very easy to take any negative or self-limiting or catastrophizing thought you have and even more so believe it must be valid because everyone else is losing their minds also. We are discussing on the show today something that may feel completely unimaginable right now, which is how to earn more money this year in 2020. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. You know, a lot of us began the new year, including myself, with ambitions to make more money, whether that's getting a raise at your job, increasing revenue in your business. And now we may have lost some hope. But my guest today, She's staying optimistic and has some interesting perspectives on how to frame your mindset around earning your worth this year and any year, frankly. Cara Lowenthal is a master certified coach. She has a degree from Yale, a law degree from Harvard. And in the last three years, after pivoting from a legal career, she has grown her life coaching business from zero to seven figures. She's the host of the iTunes top rated self-help podcast, Unf Your Brain, that has been downloaded over 5 million times. She's also been featured in Marie Claire, Huffington Post, and she lives in New York City. And I tell you, I had to put my pen down during this podcast. She reset my brain a little bit, you know, have to say. I can be a tough crowd, but this woman, she changed my mind for the better and hopefully yours. Here's Cara Lowenthal. Cara Lowenthal, welcome to So Money. I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, we're going to talk about something that people probably don't expect to be learning about right now or thinking about right now, which is how to actually go and make more money. Crazy times to be thinking about that because we're talking only about a recession and the D word too, depression, which sends chills up my spine when I think about that. Yet you are staying optimistic and you have a huge community that comes to you and is continuing to come to you during this time for advice on optimizing your earnings potential. And so we're going to just go there and dive right there in a minute. First, I want to ask you, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. I, and I appreciate you asking. And I and I want to hear how you're doing too. But I am upstate looking at nature, which I think is always a good reminder um, that you know life cycles come and go on the planet as a whole. And there's only so much we can do to control ours. Um, and so right now, I'm just doing a lot of focusing on, as I hope most of your listeners are, most of us right now are have a roof over our heads, have food to eat, are physically okay, like coming back to those basics all the time. Yeah. I remember uh, a guest of mine who lost everything as a result of the Bernie Madoff scandal, entire mm. life savings, which is it's not a health scare. It's not a, it's not life threatening in the same way that this pandemic is. Yet I think what she was experiencing, a lot of us feel the same way. We feel like we've lost our life savings because maybe we lost our all this money in the market. Our job is gone. We're not making income. And so we just feel like we're falling backwards. And one thing that she told me was kind of echoing what you just said is like what got her through that, and she did get through it, is focusing on what she does have. 
Because right now what is going to happen and what's happening is we're focusing on the scarcity, what we don't have. It's human nature to do this. But to your point, if you have health, if you have loved ones, if you have a roof over your head, you have food in your refrigerator, you are rich right now. Riches, the definition is changing right now rapidly. (laughs) Um, But we're going back to these basics of kind of defining what being truly rich and grateful means right now. So thank you for that reminder. How am I doing? I'm, you know, we're making, I have two children under the age of six. My husband and I are both officially working from home. We have been for a while now. Um, at, at the time of this recording, our, our nanny, um, she's not here today. She's taking care of her mom, which, you know, we have to remember that, um, even if you don't have it, it's important to check in with your elders. And so that's what we're giving her the, like the, uh, the capacity to do that. We're continuing mm-hmm. to pay her so she can be present for the more vulnerable people in her life. And so it's, it's just day by day. I'm recording this podcast from my bedroom. My husband is outside trying to keep the kids quiet for me. Bless him. So, so let's make <laughs> the most of this. I sent my mom out on a hike. So yeah. <laughs> Listen, my kids right now, they're, I'm doing, trying to do school for them right now. So I had like physical education earlier this morning. That's consisting uh-huh. of running up and down the hallways. I like it. I mean, we got to do what you got to do. We have, you know what? We have resources. We're going to take advantage of them. Mm -hmm. Um, All right. So let's optimize our time together. Your community comes to you and we should mention that you were the, you run a coaching community as a master certified coach. You also are, um, you have your law degree is called Clutch. And then you have a podcast called Un. F word, your brain. I'm censoring this a little bit, although I'm a big cursor, but on this podcast, I try to keep it a little clean for everybody. Totally. Level the playing field, but on F your brain. Tell us about this community and what the mission is. Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Clutch is a, is a coaching community that grew out of the podcast. And my mission is really through the podcast or, or with my students in the Clutch is to teach women how to liberate themselves from the inside out. Um, I spent a long time doing policy and legal work for um, women's rights and reproductive rights and health. And there's so much attention to policy and structural solutions, but which is totally important and needs to happen. But there's so little attention that's really paid to the internal process. We do talk a lot about like mental health generally and people go to therapy and, but there just um, isn't a lot of attention being paid outside of kind of the work and the community I've created, I think, to the impacts of kind of patriarchy or intersecting systems of, you know, oppression on people's brains, actually literally how they think and learning how to kind of reclaim your brain learn how to create empowerment truly from the inside out because, you know, I always say like we could pass a law that every boardroom has to be full of, you know, half women and, and, a pro- and um, proportionally people of color and every other kind of diversity that we want to see. But if all those people still have all this internalized like self-shame and imposter syndrome and self-doubt, it's not going to make as much of a difference as we would hope. So we have to do that internal work too. And, and can you walk us through some of that internal work? And what are some of the the stories we have in our head, the misperceptions, these barriers that might be unconscious that you think that you say are kind of fueled by very much patriarchal values? What are what are those? And then how do we work through them? Yeah, I mean, I think they can crop up anywhere, but I think women in general are socialized to, you know, um, think that their appearance is the most important thing about them. 
especially if they are um, heterosexual and date men or bisexual and date men, um, or that women aren't as good at critical thinking or like aren't as good at math or that women should um, prioritize other people over themselves, right? Women are taught to be kind of self-sacrificing. And it's so interesting even to watch like now in the current situation, seeing how these things come up, right? Like people worried about not being able to make it to like the normal haircut or a waxing appointment, even though now they're quarantined with their partner because they feel so much shame about not being able to keep up with this, with certain beauty standards or women kind of running themselves ragged because they have internalized that like they need to take care of everybody else and it's their obligation and duty to take care of everybody else and not to take care of themselves or feeling a lot of guilt. They do try to take care of themselves. So, you know, it can come up like, as I said, in the boardroom during totally normal times, but it also can come up during, even in these times of like social upheaval and change, you still see the way that people are socialized impacts how they think about everything that's happening. And when it comes to how we perform at work, how these blocks, how these blockades can impact our ability to be successful at work, what's happening there? Yeah, well, I think there's, I mean, there's like a huge span of it, right? So I think if we're talking about sort of normal times, which for a lot of people still, people still are, have jobs and either are going to offices or working from home, but they're still working in corporate structures, right? I mean, the news always magnifies what is changing or shutting down, but not all the things that aren't, right? Just because that's not news. We're still doing so, Zoom. You still got to show up for that. Yeah, right. And like a lot of people already worked from home and now people, right. I mean, the banks are still work. Like there's a lot of corporations are still working. Um, and so people are still existing in that structure, the majority of people. Um, and so I think it shows up a lot for women in particular around how they think about finances and value. And, you know, and we can talk more about that. And then I also think for all the people who are experiencing economic change right now, it shows up um, both the gender socialization and just in general, the way that we kind of think about money and how resourceful we are. I mean, I think, I do think women in general are more encouraged to think that like, you just do a good job, someone will come along and reward you, right? That you like, you shouldn't be asking for what you want or going after it. And so, and I see that as such a problem, both for the people who are in a corporate structure, but also I think about all the people who maybe whose livelihoods have been impacted right now by the social changes, people who worked in, you know, industries that have been temporarily shut down and the sort of lack of resourcefulness, which is totally not a character failing at all. Like it's just the way that we're taught. Like I think in women in particular being taught that kind of like, well, you do a good job and like, don't ask for too much. Just be and happy to be here. Just be yeah, happy Yeah. And if to be you're here. a good enough girl, somebody will give you a cookie. You know? Oh my <laughs> so gosh. Opposed to like, you yeah. create value with your own mind. How can you go out and share that and get paid for it? It's interesting because the climate that we're in now, the let's call it the recession, or we'll look back and say, this is where, when the recession began, I would think that our sense of self-worth diminishes because we might be in a job. We might even still have a job. But again, those thoughts of like, I should just be happy to be here are Mm -hmm. now magnified. And so in this context, how do you go and potentially get a raise? I mean, I think that one of the things that has been really powerful for me to notice right now in my own brain, and I think is true for, and I'm seeing it on my clients too, is that you're only having thoughts now that you already had, right? Like you didn't go from being like, I feel amazing about my value and negotiate for every cent to, oh, now I shouldn't say anything. 
<laughs> right? Like if right, you are right. currently having, having thoughts of like, well, maybe I shouldn't ask for a raise, like who am I to whatever, it's going to be seen as greedy. You were already having those thoughts before. It's just a new circumstance that you've attached them to. So I think the first step is like calling your brain on that lie. Right now, it's very easy to take any negative or self-limiting or, you know, catastrophizing thought you have and kind of even more so believe it must be valid because everyone else is losing their minds also, right? But just because there's a new circumstance doesn't mean suddenly all of your kind of thoughts are true. So I think the advice really is actually the same. And the thing, which is that number one, when you say I should just be lucky to be here, it sounds nice. It's what I call gratitude spackling. It's like, it sounds nice. It might be nice if you actually believed it. It's not actually a thought that feels good. You're not actually filled with gratitude when you think that, right? It's not really gratitude. It's like scarcity and fear and a kind of excuse to not do something that scares you. Um, and so what I really recommend is number one, and you know, I think that one of the places that women get tripped up about this so much is like the standard advice to that person would be like, you know, like doesn't, whatever the circumstances are, you have to know your own value and your own worth. And you have to like go in and demand that. And I think that that advice really backfires for women because it mixes up what's the financial value of our current labor or results or idea production or whatever it is in the marketplace. And what's our like personal value as a human, which are your, your personal worth as a human, which are two totally different things. And when we conflate them, then people, that's why people get so freaked out about negotiations or asking for raises or making sales because they're making it mean so much about them if they don't get what they want. Yeah. I can see though where right now a lot of us are coming from a place of scarcity, the mindset, the lens through which we look through the world, whether it's on the job or in our everyday lives is through this lens of scarcity because it's scary times. How do we break through that? See, I don't, I think that I have not yet met anyone who was living in a place of abundance and now is in a mindset of scarcity because of the change outside of us. Like, I just don't believe that. <laughs> it might be that you were like in scarcity trying to work towards abundance. Yeah. <laughs> like now you're and having this a harder you time. Back, like- yeah. Like now you're, it's just like, okay, two steps forward, one, one step, you know, two steps forward, one step back in your thought process. <laughs> but mm-hmm. Or maybe I, it's I don't not know scarcity, anyone. but it's panic. I think that. Yeah, but I guess part of what I'm saying is I think that's, this is a perfect example of like, yeah, we got to do that work on scarcity now or any time. And I think that one of the best things we need, we can do is, is not like, don't just read the news and believe everything everyone says, right? You want to really look at what your thoughts are and then see if you really want to keep believing them. For instance, it is a true probably statement that some people lose money in a recession. That is a true statement. It is also a true statement that some people make money in a recession. Thinking one of those right? Everyone loses. First of all, if you were thinking everyone loses money in a recession, that's just not true. But even if you were thinking some people lose money in a recession, all you've done is tell your brain, hey, this bad thing happens to some people. Now your brain is completely wired by evolution to be vigilant about threats to your survival. So if you tell your brain that, it is just constantly going to scan for evidence of that. And that's all it's going to think about. It's a very defensive posture. If your thought is some people make money in a recession, that's a totally different thought. Now your brain has something interesting and productive to work on. Like, oh, that's interesting. They do. How do they do that? Who does make money in a recession? Let me like Google and find out like, what are the ways people keep afloat? Purell hoarders in this case. No, I'm just kidding. Purell hoarders, short 
traders on the market, people, but even like you see, even like, okay, now the bars are shutting down and Amazon needs to hire 150,000 people to work on deliveries, right? Like there's opportunities everywhere. And for me, like as someone who has an online business, and I think for coaches and advisors and consultants and people who help people navigate change, work on their mental health, make strategic decisions, like all of that stuff, the demand for that is only going to go up. So I think it really depends. And yes, yeah, some people may need to pivot or change sectors or, but if your thought is, oh, I've got this, I've always been able to provide for myself and I'll be able to provide my, for myself now. I just need to get to work thinking about what kind of value I can create for other people that they might want. You have a totally different outcome than if your thought is, it's a recession, we're all screwed, the end. Well, you bring up a good word, which is value. One of the pieces of advice that you share with your community, which is a little counterintuitive or kind of goes against the traditional advice is that when we are negotiating for our salary, or if you're an entrepreneur for your fee, that we should reflect our value. And this, you have a problem with this. So tell me what the problem is and how we should rethink this. Yeah, I think that um, this is very also, it's like very specific to women. Like, I don't feel like men get this advice so much. Should they? uh, No, I don't think anyone should get it because I think it's backwards, right? I think that it's, the advice is like hitting on something true, which is that women tend to undervalue them, the sort of themselves, their own work and what they produce. But the problem is by telling people to demand their worth or value, you are making it about something intrinsic to them or almost like their moral status, like whether they're good enough, right? You have human worth that you just have, I believe, I mean, some people don't believe this, it's an optional belief, but I like this belief that you're just born with. Your worth as a human, like if you're good enough to exist, (laughs) you already have that. Now, women are socialized to basically be ashamed that they exist, (laughs) to think that they're existing wrong all the time, (laughs) right? We're like, I'm so sorry that I'm here. I'm sorry. I shouldn't have requested to be born. (laughs) Oh, man, it's good to laugh. It's good to laugh. Yeah, right. It's so true. And that's why that's it's like this advice is well meaning to like own your value, own your worth. It's trying to fix that problem, but it's the wrong solution. You need to like do the thought, like to own your own intrinsic value and worth as a human. That's some thought work you need to do about changing your thoughts about yourself. That's not going to be remedied by getting a raise. You need to separate the mental and emotional work you have to do about like, yes, you're allowed to exist. And you're worthy the way you are. You're good enough and lovable the way you are from, I want to be paid more for performing this particular service, or I want someone to pay me in the first place to do this thing for them. How do I communicate to them? Not my value as a human, like who cares? That's not what they're paying for. How do I communicate the value of my services or the result I'm going to produce for them or the intellectual property, whatever it is, how do I communicate that to them? Whether you are trying to mow someone's lawn or like sell a multi-billion dollar idea. I don't care. It's the same thing. Right. Here's why you should want this. Here's the vow. Why should you want a lawn, your lawn mode? Because it's a pain in the butt for you to do it. Your neighbors all are mad at you. Your lawn doesn't look good. Like I love this. I'm having spectrum. like a freaking breakthrough right now because it's just a small change in your communication and what where the place from where you are communicating, right? So we Yeah, can, and what you're focused on. Right. Are you focused on you and your worth? Who cares? Are you focused on what's the value to this person? That's what makes someone buy from you, whether you're an entrepreneur or they're giving you a raise. It's still buying you, basically exactly. buying what you're offering. 
I remember this uh, this piece of advice. I forget if it was a TED Talk or what, but it was like at the end of the day, as a consumer, okay, let's say I have an iPhone and I love my iPhone. Do I care that the person who made the iPhone spent 800 hours making it or that they spent eight hours making it? I don't care. I want to make right. sure that it still has all the functionality that I'm used to, right? I don't care what – don't tell me how the sausage gets made. Just make sure that it's a beautiful piece of art that is functional and I will pay for it because that's what's Right, and you don't care me. about their self-esteem issues either. Right. I don't care that the person who made not- it, <laughs> right, like looked pretty or like had- – Right. I'm not like I'm buying this to show you that you're right. a worthwhile human. I don't no. care if they had an MBA or <laughs> – Right, right. <laughs> That is uh, fantastic. So give me more. Like what's the other terrible advice that we get around earning our worth that, that you can put on its head? Um, what, what other terrible advice? I mean, we get so many pieces of terrible advice. But um, I think that money-wise, that the sort of separating your um, emotional and like separating your own self-worth issue from your negotiations or your pitching, whatever it is, switching from self-focus to other focused in that way, which is a funny thing to say, but that's really what you're doing. I think also like understanding this relates, but I don't think that people understand enough that what you get paid for is the value you produce for someone else. Just like you were saying with the phone, it's not your out. No one cares how many hours you worked. No one cares how hard it was for you. Right. It's like, what is that value? And part of what we want to do is like when we're starting that process, think about, especially if you are someone who's been impacted by the, you know, by a change in economics or by a downturn or whatever it is, what kind of value can I create? If I create value in the world, somebody will pay for it. And what is that value I can create? It's, it's a very different question than like, how can I make money? Like, how can I make money is like, you're trying to like, I don't know, find something in the woods or like make someone. It's also a short term process. Like, how can I make money? I mean, it doesn't take into account necessarily what you're good at, what you'll what you can stick with. Yeah. It just doesn't feel like I'm, you know, a lot of the work I do is like, okay, well, what thought are you thinking and how does it make you feel? Because all of your actions will come from that, from that feeling, right? We know when we're like bored, we watch too much Netflix. When we're motivated, we do our work. Like we know that our different feeling states change our actions. And so if I think how can I make money, I'm like, ugh, if I I think how can I create value for people that they are desperate for that will help them that they want? That feels totally different. And so I think, oh, go ahead. No, no, no. This is all so good. I, I definitely want to learn a little bit more about your background, Cara. And I often ask guests to share a money memory with me of growing up, mm. some way or some some way that they learned about money that was really impactful. I'm just curious to know how you arrived with all these um, insights and perspectives. A lot of us, I feel like we don't get that uh, growing up. Yeah. And, and does it even stem back to all the way when you were a kid? Um, some of it, I think. So when I, I, this is definitely not what I learned in law school. Um, so I did not right. come from that background, but actually my, um, but actually both my, my mother's mother and then my father, are both entrepreneurs and had businesses. Uh, and my father is a rare book and photography dealer. And when I was little, he used to kind of give us these like lectures on value, which I at the time found super boring and roll my eyes about, um, about kind of what creates value. You know, the like a rare book market is interesting. It's like an art market, right? It's like the value of something can be very different even within the same market, kind of both based on like small differences in the item, but also a lot based on like, why do people think it's important, right? Like, 
if this, if you can explain that this book was a major intellectual precursor to this other thing that everybody agrees is very important. Now, suddenly the value of that goes up, right. Versus just being like, it's was published early. So do you want it? (laughs) Right. So I feel like I got sort of, you know, some of, some of the way that I think about how it's your job to explain the value of something to someone else and why they should care comes from that. Um, and then I had to, so I, I mean, I think that that is kind of the first one. I didn't understand those lectures until later. Um, and then I had to do a lot of work. I mean, when I, I didn't start a business like, great, I'm so excited to be an entrepreneur and I'm sure I can make a lot of money. <laughs> that was not where I was. Um, I had to do a lot of money mindset work on myself and I had great coaching from my teacher and my friends and my coaches um, in order to like really the biggest change I had to go through was thinking of myself as someone who I didn't even ever ask myself if I was good at making money because I didn't even think about myself as someone who like made I sort of was like okay I get a salary right I just was never like how much money would I want to make how much money can I create like just not even questions that ever occurred to me it was like I get a salary someone else decides what I can be paid this is what the in, this industry is like. That's that, and to go from that very passive, like money is given to you either by a boss or by a family or by a whatever. You know, it's like people who inherited money sometimes have the same thing. Like, well, it's just it's just like a certain amount arrives. That's that. To go from that to like, oh, money is something I can create by creating value. And there's no limit to how much I can create if I create enough value. That that's up to me, and I can like have an active participant, like have an active role in that was a total mind blowing experience, but it took months to really get through it. Yeah. And I think that's a good reminder that this is not a light bulb moment for a lot of like, it's a light bulb moment, Mm -hmm. but the transition is not going to be as fast, right? You have to really put in the work and the time and to be patient. And we got a lot of time right now. So I guess that's It's It's the best time to do thought work. Exactly. I mean, this is the big for me difference between like the kind of coaching I do and the kind of a lot of what other people, what people have experienced in therapy or coaching sometimes is that insight is supposed to lead to transformation. And I don't really think it works that way because your brain has habits just like your muscles. So if you're used to thinking there's not enough money and I, we're all going to (laughs) die, right? You can listen to this podcast, have like an aha moment, but now you've got to come up with some new thoughts. Like this is what I work with my students in the clutch on all the time. I talk about on my podcast all the time is like, now you need to come up with some thoughts you believe and practice them all the time because you have to re literally rewire your brain, like get a new set of neurons firing and wiring together till that becomes your brain's default habit. It's not just going to all shift overnight. It's like you don't decide one day that you could be ambidextrous and all of a sudden you can write just as well with the other hand. You have to practice. Yes. All right, Cara, thank you so much for popping in. I know this is crazy times. Um, it's We said earlier before you were live, like so much is going on and also nothing is going on. <laughs> Great time to be listening to totally. podcasts and starting a yes. podcast. Everyone check out Cara's podcast on F. That's F-U-C-K, your brain. This is great advice. I think this is great advice now, anytime, but we really especially appreciate it now. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's my pleasure. Thank you to Cara for joining us. Her podcast, again, is called Un-F Your Brain. That's un, the F word, 
Your Brain. You can learn more about her coaching program, The Clutch, at unfyourbrain.com. Remember, I'm still answering your money questions every Friday, especially given the circumstances. I want to know how you've been impacted, how, what you're struggling with, or how even you're being successful so we can share it with our audience. The best way to get in touch is to follow me on Instagram at Farnoosh Tarabi. Send me a direct message there. You can also email me, Farnoosh at somoneypodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. Until Friday, I hope your day is so money.